Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. The winners are the, the people with the most stories. One of the great things about traveling is the people that you meet. I've slept in bus stations, like yeah. I've slept on people's floors. And it's already on fire, and then there's just a gigantic, huge explosion, like out of a Hollywood movie. It's not right or wrong, it's just different. We hired like 10 Chinese prostitutes to come be our audience. We were kidnapped by nuns in Puerto Rico. <laughs> not a good idea to be high when you're packing. You forget a lot of stuff. I got swine flu. By the time you've lived through it, it's just a good story. Hey everybody, welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. My name is Mike Siegel. I'm the host and producer of this podcast, and my guest today is David Lowe. And before we get to David, a few announcements. First and foremost, our website is TravelTalesPodcast.com. Go there, you can see stories that I've written, stories that the guests have written. You can see links to their social media, you can see photos of them, you can see links to our social media, and that is, of course, Travel Tales Podcast on Instagram, Travel Tales Pod on Twitter, there's a link to our Facebook page, which is Travel Tales Podcast, over there on Facebook. Give us likes, give us follows, give us love. On our site, you'll also find links to Stitcher Radio and Apple Podcasts. We're also on Spotify, so follow us on all those platforms or wherever you get your podcasts. And as always, I ask that you please give us a good rating, because that helps people find the show by boosting our presence, and that's always a cool thing to do, so I'd appreciate it if you did that. If you think you'd be right for the show, maybe you know somebody that's right for the show, or maybe you want to say nice things or ask me some travel-related questions, you can write me at TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. That's TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. All right, David Lowe. David Lowe was a guy I met through a friend and neighbor, Jamie Page, who was working with him on a podcast of his own called The Low Life Tapes. Kind of playing his name there, L-O-W-E, Life Tapes. You can get that at uh, anywhere you get your podcast. It's out there. It's kind of an interesting show. It's, uh, it's much more theatrical than this one. It's not just a conversation. He does interviews with people and adds some uh, narration and music, and it's much more of a kind of a story. And it's fun to listen to because he's an interesting guy. He's an Englishman who moved to France and lived there for 30 years and married a French woman. Had a few kids and just recently relocated to Venice, California. Went to Oxford, has a background in science and a PhD, but uh, did some acting. He's been in some high-profile movies, worked with Woody Allen. He'll get to all that. And last year, he won an immigration lottery to get a visa to live in America. So being the actor he is, he came to Hollywood. Well, Venice, to be exact. Moved his family out here, which is a big step. So we talked about being an expat in America, his journey, how we got here. And I'm going to be honest with you, it's not as travel-heavy as a lot of our podcasts, because we went off on all sorts of tangents. But I didn't care, because David was very easy to talk to, and I found him to be a very interesting guy who's led quite an interesting life. So check him out on the Low Life Tapes, wherever you get your podcasts, and enjoy getting to know him here on the Travel Tales Podcast. Please enjoy my chat with David Lowe. You're obviously an Englishman, but you lived in France for 30 years. Yeah. Give me the journey of why you left. Why did you yeah. leave England in the first place? I, thought, I think he was all looking for girls, really. Because well, I, I was in a completely boy, understandable. Yeah, boys' grammar school, and then I went to Oxford in a boys' college, well. in a men's college. Yeah, I did a physics and philosophy degree. I did physics at first, and I th there was just one spotty girl in physics. <laughs> so I thought I'd had an artistic subject like philosophy, and then found myself completely alone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no boys, no girls. <laughs> and then uh, 
And then but you the, were analyzing while you were alone. You, you had to I was so ponder st- the uh, So the stupid, really. Didn't understand anything. <laughs> and then I went to the Royal Naval College to do a PhD. And, of course, the Royal Naval College is full of men. So I sort of joined the Amateur Dramatic Society. Ah. You know, Gilbert and Sullivan... Sort of I think stuff. the pursuit of women has, has drawn more guys into acting than anything else. Yeah, and the not finding them sort of leads to creation. <laughs> or the pursuit of men has drawn more yes, guys yeah, into we're acting not gonna as be, well. We're not going to be whatever. <laughs> so I started singing in the choir and everything, and then singing in the, um, in the uh, acting in the shows. And uh, then I started going to workshops, actually. So I tried tap dancing workshops, car maintenance. I thought, what workshops can you go to where you're going to meet the most girls? And the first one was car maintenance because I thought girls don't, you know, they want to know how to change a car, a tire. <laughs> yeah, right. False. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So then I went to um, tap dancing. And tap, you know, when you're in a room with surrounded by mirrors, and one day I saw my flies were open, and you try and uh, sort of button up your flies with when you're being watched from uh, <laughs> to 360 degrees. So that I saw a clown workshop. So I went to the clown workshop. And at the end of a couple of weekends, the man came up to me, the chief clown, and he said, you've the got... The chief t- clown. That's, yeah, the chief clown. That's the best title I've ever heard. That's great. Yeah, he told me, he said, you've got talent. And like all good clowns, you don't know you're funny. Because, <laughs> you know, I've got a stupid body. You know, it's yeah, a bit too yeah, big yeah. for the world, and it's just a, li- a sort of lyrical clumsiness. <laughs> so I started developing the clown in a very studious way. Worked at the Cancer Research Institute for a couple of years, and then joined a circus. And then, how can I give my art to the, to the people in France by playing in the street? Marcel Marceau and all that, Jacques Lecoq, now, Etienne I've, de Croux. I have uh, talked to, I know, I've worked with a couple guys in, um, like magicians and clowns and, and yeah. people who had that background, yeah. and a couple guys who had a circus background, but they say yeah. that it's more of an art form in France, right? It's more respected in a way. Yeah, but at the same time, if you you know you you spend half an hour warming up the audience, and then you get a fire eater who comes next to you and blows yeah. a few flames, you've lost them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The subtleties of it is, are lost. Tough. There was a punch at once as well, and then I was approached by a couple of men in suits, and I thought it was uh, Fellini's agent, oh. but it was a couple of police officers saying, "Here's your ticket. You can't play there." Ah, oh, gotcha. Yeah. So um, so then I thought I'll get back to being a physicist. So I sent my you know, CV to every place you can think of in France. And they all said, no, I've still got them, you know, about 300 letters all saying no in different, because uh, the French are very no. elegant. No, but they sort <laughs> yeah. of, uh, yeah, clothed it up in other stuff like, um, je vous prie, monsieur de Grail, uh, no salutation, no re, et cetera, et cetera. So then I saw an ad for, uh, they're looking for clowns for publicity, for commercials. And I went there and they just welcomed me with open arms. So I started doing commercials and became the commercial king of France for a while. I was in the one commercial a week, you know, for 10 years. I worked with everybody and nobody recognized me because I just, I suppose I was a good actor. No, they said yeah. that. Rob, Robert That's good and bad in a way. You're not hassled on the street, but yeah. yet it's hard to parlay that into something Yeah, because they want else. somebody, they, it's like looking for a well ex, an experienced virgin. <laughs> That's in a way. <laughs> so I was that experienced virgin for 10 years. One particular product or multiple products? Uh, even uh, you know a few cars at the same time. What was your? What was? Did you have one specific clown character? Uh, no, but this was. I used to play. I used to use my clown technique to play. The, I had three categories. I had the young uh, father, sympathetic. I had the businessman, and I had the idiot. So I could <laughs> have those three uh, 
three domains to work in. Right, right. You know, I used to walk into a casting room and you could see them all. And as soon as I walked in, oh. <laughs> the others, because they had no chance right. if I was there. Oh, wow. Yeah, I was the king. Yeah. And now you're in Hollywood. But still didn't meet any women. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Now you're in Hollywood and it's back to square one. Oh, you get back in the queue. Yeah. If um, So what did your family who sent you off to university. Yeah. It's like, oh, we have an Oxford man in the family, and then he's now yeah. he's a clown. How happy were they well, to hear this? It's because my, my dad always told me that you're going to go to Oxford, you know, even when I was crap in school. Did he go there? No, he died two weeks before I got accepted. Oh, no. Yeah. I'm sorry. That's, That's sad, isn't it? Yes. But I, I think that gave... No, he, he died two weeks before that I did the exam, actually. And it's a funny exam to get into Oxford. The, you do the exam, which is uh, quite normal, but then you have to do an interview if you do well in the exam. You know, and they ask you funny questions. Because hmm. I was a lad from the north who found myself in this, you know, this <laughs> museum place with these mad uh, professors. Are they just trying to get a, an idea of your mental... Yeah. I don't know, if you could handle the pressure or something? Yeah, my dad, yeah, my dad had just died. They ask you questions... The, there's a whole, uh, one of the questions, supposed questions, they didn't ask me that. They asked me, uh, how do you know that gravity isn't a magnetic force? Silence. You don't know, do you? <laughs> <laughs> it's because it's only attraction. There's no repulsion. Okay. Yeah, so it's, but it's, uh, you know, when you're sitting there and your dad's just died and there's a, you're in this place. Yeah, that you've you got never, a lot on your mind. You got a lot on your mind. But I answered it. They, the, another question is maybe it's a mythical question. They they give the 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 student uh, a brick, and they say throw it through the window, and then the student throws it through the window, and then they say why didn't you open it first? That's, <laughs> so he failed. Yeah, you, you know it's, it's a trick. They trick questions. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah. The, it's a way of thinking, Oxford. You know <laughs> it's, that's why they get Margaret Thatcher and Monty Python's and yeah, I was going to say Mr. Bean. <laughs> I just saw a uh, a documentary on the young ones. Yeah, it was on. Yeah. It was, and I just watched it yesterday on YouTube. Yeah. And uh, I remember when it came out, and they were just saying how this divide came at the time yeah. between um, more of a working class like pub comedy, yeah. and uh, because that, the stand ups at the time in England were very just really old fashioned. A guy in a yeah. bow tie and yeah, doing a lot of racial humor and really un- yeah, a lot of racial humor, un PC kind of things. Yeah, and then there was the flip side, which was the you know Oxford Cambridge Monty Python, more of a highbrow yeah kind of people, and they kind of bridge yeah. this kind of uh-huh. punk gap in the middle of it. And then he's sort of come back again because he realized that some of those old school people were pretty funny. Really. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's Spike Milligan, who's not very well known here. Used to work with Peter Sellers, oh, yeah. and he was there. Uh, uh, he was funny. A radio. It was slapstick on the radio. You know, yeah. visual humor on the radio. That was and the Goon Squad and all yeah, those the Goons, guys. yeah. Peter Cook and Dudley Moore. Yeah, Peter I used to grew up on all those things, and for me, it was like because um, we only got British humor on um, PBS. Uh-huh. I grew up in Chicago, yeah. and before cable, we could only see it on uh, Sunday night, late Sunday nights. They would like dump all these you yeah. know British shows that they had. Uh, first, it would be something high-brought masterpiece theater, you know, with yep. Alistair Cook presenting some kind of he upstairs, was, downstairs thing. Was, and then afterwards... He was would, an old pervert as well as yeah, oh, Cook. Sure. <laughs> and then they would run... That's when I saw Monty Python. I saw... Oh, I was a big fan of like the two Ronnies and yeah. Dave Allen at large. And they would Dave play. Allen, yeah. And uh, Faulty Towers, of course, and all these things. And that just kind of blew me away. But I had to stay up late on a Sunday night to see yeah. it. That's why we were watching Ron and Martin's laughing. Yeah, yeah, right. That's, they were dumping it on, you know, BBC. Yeah, they're dumping it on those things. Yeah, when when they thought no one was watching. Yeah, no, there's a 
big culture of a, just a half-hour comedy program in England. And it's, it's like an art form. They often try to make a feature film of it afterwards, but it never works. Right. And not many get out of the half-hour format. Who's got out of it? Simon Pegg maybe got yeah, out yeah, of it yeah. and became a... But that's because he's a bit of a geek and likes... Uh, and James Corden has gotten out of it a little yeah, he's bit. Got, yeah, but he wasn't. He was sort of interviewer, TV presenter rather than... Uh, wasn't he that Ned and Stacey show or whatever? How was he in that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you must remember that I've been living last 30 years in France, so I'm a bit... <laughs> so was your plan to, I mean, even at... at did you do theatre at uh, Oxford? You um, did a, was no, the Cambridge I sh- Footlights, I'm I should have done yeah. theatre. I could have met all the uh, Kenneth Branagh crowd. Yeah, you see, yep. you would have uh, slid right in. Yeah, I did work Emma with... Emma Thompson and the whole gang. Yeah, I could have met them, but I didn't. I just stayed in my whole learning, uh, trying to f- be the greatest physicist since Einstein. <laughs> But then you realize it didn't work. What well, was the plan to always stay in to stay in France, or did you just play it by yeah. ear all the time? France for the English is really romantic. You know, it's sure, a yeah. beautiful place. They don't really like the French, but the, being in France has a sort of aura about it that is very attractive. So I, because uh, for example, the, the British they publish I don't know how many books about the uh, French and France, uh, how you know where to live in France, where to get buried in France, uh, yeah. how to. Well, but the, the f- countries are intertwined for hundreds yeah. and hundreds of years. But, but the French don't write anything about the English. You know, they c- <laughs> couldn't give a sud about the English. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> it's just this inferior, dirty little people from yeah. across the uh, La Manche, as they call it. And now after this year, probably even less. Of- uh, Macron realizes that he's in the shit with this Brexit thing because uh, Europe hasn't got an army. Yeah. So the only army there is France and Britain, and they have all these uh, agreements between each other, which are going to be broken by the Brexit. <laughs> yeah. And now uh, the, with the Brexit, we've got this Dominique Cummings. You know the the sort of brain behind Boris Johnson, who's uh, oh there there is one. Yeah, yeah, he's um he's a bit of a he just did an advertisement for people who work in Ten Downing Street. And he's looking for weirdos, you know, misfits and weirdos. And that was hey, the ad. You're in. <laughs> yeah, I thought I got a reply. What about the, the most famous clown in France? <laughs> yeah, misfits and weirdos. <laughs> but he did mention programming as well. And, uh, so you got to know Python. You, they're looking for sort of data scientists. They haven't realized that data science is just the sort of astrology of today. You, you know, you've got this pile of information, you put it all together, and you find out that when Aquarius is in Neptune or whatever, you're going to have a good year. Right. <laughs> Well, what happens when? Um, so, did, have you had dual citizenship? Uh, no, I'm a, a legal alien. That's what that's sting. No, legal alien. Legal, legal alien. Yeah, Not I'm illegal. A, legal. Legal. So, oh, a yeah. permanent resident. You have a green card, permanent resident, and your kids, uh, less who are younger than twenty-one, get it as well. So, so is your wife French or wife's French? Okay. And we got three kids who've got it as well. There's okay. a nineteen-year-old, a fifteen-year-old, and a ten-year-old. Okay. So we got green cards and social security numbers. And when I got a social security number, my friends told me, now you can be in debt. Because <laughs> <laughs> for us, a social security number is to go to a hospital for free. Right. But not here. No, it's, no, no. No, it's to be numbered for your taxes, mm-hmm. no. <laughs> oh, you got one for here? Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, I've got a social security in France where they give you free health. And the social security number here, SSN. Yeah, you've done that kind of backwards here. Okay, now we're going to get to this, why you're here. And how this came to be. Yeah. Because it's usually we see the reverse. We, when I see people coming yeah. from other countries to Hollywood, they're yeah. usually in their 20s. Yeah, but I'm not in my <laughs> so, 20s. They don't come with three kids and a wife and uh, after a whole yeah. life in uh, Europe. Yeah. What, how, tell me that story and walk me through it. Yeah, it is really a bit late to come to break Hollywood, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Living in Venice. 
Yeah, it was great living in Venice. So cool, actually. It sounds yeah. like a cliche. You uh-huh. know, see, I'm not ironing my shirt. You don't have to iron your shirt in uh, Venice. Yeah, it's casual, man. Yeah. I've not got a T-shirt. It's just still a shirt, so I'm not really... Uh, <laughs> I came out on a bike as well. That's Didn't right. I, you noticed you, to you've gone full-on California? Yeah. As long as it's not a bird scooter or something. Yeah, c- c- no, because we live... we got this beautiful house, like a big chateau in the middle of the forest just outside Paris with a horse and a dog. Oh, and then uh, you come here, and there's a guy yeah, uh, peeing in, on your mailbox. Up. Yeah, we're living in a place that's smaller than our kitchen. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so why? What why? Oh, just an adventure, really. I suppose, just uh, change things. But um, you know, when you're in the arts, when you're in the theatre of movies, movies. I'm getting used to saying movies. movies. You Film. Do, yeah. Do you plan a career? Or you just wait. You just go the wind the way the wind blows. No, I mean it's hard to plan anything in this in this yeah. business. You know, things happen and the, or they don't happen. You know, yeah. it's um, we, all you can do is your thing and work hard and then hope that the chips yeah. fall in. You know, yeah. Well, this is we have been random selected for the randomly selected for the diversity lottery. Well, talk about that. I mean, yeah. I don't think Americans know about this. Yeah, it was it was my uh, brother-in-law actually because I saw him trying to make his photograph square. I just hit the microphone okay. and I think it clocked. <laughs> You know, because uh, we in Europe, we have a, a sort of rectangular shaped portrait. And here, you've got to have a square one for your official papers. Okay. And so like I saw my brother-in-law, who's not the most intellectual person, but he loves surfing. And he was cutting up his photograph to try and make it square. But of course, he doesn't obey the rules. <laughs> right. So oh, I can do better than that. So I asked him what he was doing. And he said he was applying for the diversity lottery, which I didn't know what it was. And it's apparently a thing that uh, they give 50,000 uh, green cards every year. To, uh, to people all over the world. And you just have to send your photograph and uh, your name and address. And if you're randomly selected, then you go into the second part of the process where you have to fill in forms. You have to, you have, to have a medical exam to show, uh, well, I know that my kids haven't got syphilis, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. that sort of thing. And then you have to give all your addresses since you were 16. You have to say that your parents aren't pimps or communist spies and, you know, sure. the usual questions. You know, it's no, 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 about three pages of no's. Then they'd put a little yes question at the end. So you have to say yes. So this goes all over the world? I mean, yep, it's all over the world. They have a, for each continent, they have a quota of uh, visas to give away. Girl, green cards. Is that the same as a visa? Yeah. Yeah. So it's just the luck of the draw. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's randomly selected. They don't say you've won. You're randomly selected. Mm. And then, you, uh, then you, they give you a number. Our number, and I'm allowed to give it now, I suppose, it was EU 24,230. <laughs> and you've got to wait till you look at the visa bulletin every month and you wait till your number comes up. And when your number comes up, you get a you get a letter from the embassy for your interview. And before the interview, you go and see the doctor and get all these tests done. You do the interview, which is a bit strange, actually, because they ask all these funny questions and you've got these people looking at you. And I was there with my three kids who, after waiting for three hours, they were just messing about and being... <laughs> so I was sort of kicking them under the counter, you know, shut up. And then yeah, we went to one window and this man comes up. They said, are you feeling okay? How are you today? What's the, how are you today? I would say, a bit tense. Why are you tense? You got something? <laughs> something what are you hiding? Yeah, what? <laughs> No, it's just just tell well, them, it's you, twelve months we've been waiting for this interview. That's why. Yeah, I, mean, I, was, I assume your your wife and children must have been on board with this and excited, or, uh, or yeah. else you wouldn't have. Oh, they were so excited. But it also came the the fact that we'd been random selected came on the same day that they told me that the TV programmer was doing was stopping. So, so that's kind of fortuitous. 
What yeah, was the TV program? It was the science one, or one of the science ones. You know, I told you I was the Bill Nye of France. Oh, yeah. You that know. was off, off <laughs> Mike. The so, Bill Nye of France. Yeah, the Bill Nye of France. So I thought, and before the Bill Nye of France, you know, I did 10 years of doing that. And then just, I was, did 10 years of radio programs before. Uh, so everything sort of falls into place. Well, you're here just in time because we're anti-science now. Yeah, I don't know if you know that, if you read the papers, but. Um, yeah, there's the anti-science of ecology for the moment, where they, <laughs> you know, a bunch of people who aren't scientists telling you how to save the world. Yes. It's so, depressing. So your children, it's not easy to pull a teenager out of school and away from her friends and his yeah, or my, her friends. I mean, they were okay with it. That was fortuitous as well, because a 15-year-old sings, she sings like, uh, you know, she was listening to Etta James. Uh, wow. All, the, all these black singers, you know, she loves... Her favorite song was Nancy Wilson singing, uh, what's the uh, Tapahonga Bridge? What's that song? You know, I was singing on the barn and on the. Oh, Billy Joe McCallum. Billy, yeah. Off the Tallahatchie Bridge. Tallahatchie Bridge, yeah. Ode to Billy Joe. No, she Bobby Gentry. That was the name. Bobby Gentry, yeah. Ode to Billy Joe. But she knew the Nancy Wilson version, which is quite crazy. Oh, wow, okay. There's a sort of a riff. I guess. Yeah, there's a riff of a saxophone that goes on and on and it gets crazy at the end. And she was listening to all this sort of stuff. I looked at a playlist. I thought that's pretty good, and she wants. Then I heard her singing, and it was like uh, somebody else singing. It wasn't my daughter anymore, and I thought maybe she could make it in Hollywood. Her, <laughs> if I can't make it, maybe she can make it. <laughs> and then we got a geek, ten-year-old. Uh, so maybe you can make it as a ten-year-old a geek, right? And what was what's been the biggest adjustment of coming here? It's, um, it was closing up the house, actually, because we had two weeks to close up the house and get here to get the kids in school in time. Were you right in Paris or outside of Paris? Well, just, you know, the country starts, you drive 50 minutes and you're in the yeah. middle of the forest. Okay. Yeah, and, and we didn't have anywhere to live, but I had worked with a photographer in, uh, in Paris, and he told me he had a brother in, in Venice, we also knew somebody in Hoboken, so we had the choice between Hoboken and, and Paris and uh, Venice. So we came to Venice. Big difference. And, yeah, and we came Hell to Hell of a lot longer trip. And we found <laughs> ourselves in this, in this huge 800 main, this huge place. Which oh. You, do you know the place? It's on, uh, just on the corner of Abbot Kinney. Yes, 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 yeah. yes, yes. And we hardly knew the man. As I said, I knew his brother. And he put us up for about two months in this beautiful building Lovely. with a swimming pool inside. So we sort of fell on our feet. Then we spent a month in the in the Foghorn. I can do advertising, can I? Sure. Advertising. So uh, <laughs> the Foghorn and Mother's, uh, Mother's Beach in uh, Marina del Rey. Okay. So a month there, it was like being on a holiday. And now we're staying in a sort of, it's like a treehouse, really, in on the corner of Brooks Avenue and, uh, and Forth. How long does the... Uh Visa last, and is, is there forever. a time limit on this? It's forever. You can apply for American citizenship after, I don't know whether it's three years or five years. Okay. If you keep your nose clean, if you don't do anything stupid. And you have, tell me the ages of your kids again. Uh, the ones who've got the visa, there's 19 years, 15 years, and uh, 10 years. And they've adjusted okay? Uh, the 19 years studying in Oxford, so he's not come yet. He's triggered. You have to trigger. Oh, that's another technical point, because you get the yes from the embassy saying you've been a... You've been accepted. Oh, but he's technically an adult, so he has to get his own visa. Uh, no, <laughs> no, no, no. The 19-year-old is still a derivative. They're my oh. derivatives. Okay. You know, he, he had this special thing, actually. When we were in the um, embassy, he had to pledge to defend America if ever America was attacked. So <laughs> really? he's got to join the Marines or something if uh, 
And he's not a very marine type of person, really. <laughs> <laughs> So, of course, he said yes, but he didn't know what he was letting himself in for. Yeah. He's going to end up fighting the Chinese, no? Yeah. Or coronavirus or whatever. Yeah. Who knows? So, that was the first time I used the word pledge, actually. Pledge. The Americans use the word pledge. I had to raise the right hand and pledge my allegiance to... <laughs> and why you not? You do that for France, huh? I know. No, you do you that. You had to do it for a clown pledge. The, the thing is some sort of weirdo if you do that in, <laughs> in France. <laughs> what do you... What do you miss the most about uh, France? France. The wine? Uh, other than <laughs> uh, well, just health care, I suppose. Well, yeah, that's what yeah. I miss. Any uh, lifestyle issues other than you know, no, people France, not having guns? That one? Well, I've not seen much of that. We did have a lockdown. Is it a lockout or a lockdown at Westminster School? Oh, no, kid? they did? A lockdown, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but it was it was nothing really. It was just a man arguing with his wife, and uh, oh, okay. one of the fathers who was queuing up to find his kids. He said, "Hey, stop it!" So the man went into his car and took a pulled oh, a gun on him. Fantastic. Yeah, I, th- I thought, would I have gone to uh, help the woman? And I thought, when the man came out with a gun, should the man who was t- telling him to stop beating his wife maybe just should have just hit the wife and <laughs> say, "Oh no, I'm on your side, buddy." Oh, <laughs> But he no, had his own gun. Well, he had a few options, but I think his option was just to walk away. Yeah. And of course, there was a lockdown in the school straight away where the kids had to go under the tables and things. Very, very well, Westminster. Really good lockdown. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, what about little yeah. day-to-day things? Or, little or? day-to-day things? What's good in France? Yeah, because you do travel things, don't you? And I, yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm a sort of slow-motion traveler, really. It took me about 20 years to cross the channel, which is... <laughs> which is <laughs> Which isn't very far, really. You could swim it. You never went as a... You, your family never went on holiday? Oh, we were poor from the north, you know. They didn't even have avocados in the north. You know, they used to sell uh, artichokes with a, with a little reference book on telling you how to do it, how to, how to eat it. You know, my dad had, he had really bad ulcers on his legs and he had to get olive oil. Somebody told him, put olive oil on it and he had to go to a chemist to get olive oil. You know, we were backward... <laughs> My just auntie, meat pies and uh, yeah, yeah. My auntie bought a fridge. No, yeah, fridge. She bought a fridge for the first time, and she used to unplug it when she went out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were backward. Which town was it? Warrington. Warrington. So near yeah. Liverpool and Manchester, north of there. Yeah, he's been between the two. You know, okay. he's got the worst of both worlds. <laughs> he was shit old, really, as they call it. So, so went, no problems leaving. No, no. I went to live in the south after that, London, and. Though Boris Johnson has promised to make the North a bit more, um, a bit more uh, civilized, he's going to build a high-speed railway. You know, but it's going to cost. He's going to take him about thirty years to build this thing. The fact, the fact that you didn't have. Every time I go to the UK, the fact that they was so behind on that. Uh, there's, yeah. there's, you know, when you go to you know mainland yeah. Europe, yeah, and they're zipping around Germany yeah. with these fantastic high-speed trains yeah. or, or France, and then you get and it just slows to a crawl the minute you get to England. And it's, it's and, bizarre. And the ticketing process, you know, sometimes it's cheaper to fly over to Belfast to get to Edinburgh and take a plane. Yes. From, yep. You know, it's ridiculous. Completely. I think it's something to do with the houses. You know, the Englishman's home is his castle, so they, they can't knock a house down. So they've got yeah. to go around it, which isn't very convenient for a railway line. No, I mean, I say that, you know, because we, we don't have it either. And every time I drive to Vegas, I'm going, the fact that there's not a bullet train zipping through this desert yeah. is ridiculous. Yeah, it's ridiculous, yeah. But, yeah. you know, the airlines fight it, and the car yeah. companies fight it. And, you know, yeah, we see a freight train, it's just like these old cowboy films, no? Where they, yes. Uh, yeah, it's the same thing. A mile-long freight train. <laughs> yeah, then you got the crook from 
from wherever, from the West, who tries to buy out the town or buy out the houses. But <laughs> yeah. there's this one man who says no. Well, I remember the first here. time I went was in 89. And I took the ferry over from Calais to Dover. Yeah. And uh, I met a guy in a pub in Dover who was building the channel. Yeah. At the time. And yeah. I remember him telling me, yeah, we're building this tunnel across yeah. the France and I said this is ridiculous it'll never get done I yeah. can't believe well, this it did get done actually and I, I, I know that's, that a lot. It, I haven't done works. it yet I've you haven't done it, it. No. no the fact that I got the channel done is, is pretty good yeah. though I think I miss Britain more than I mean miss France actually really because the theatre in London and oh know, yeah well that's great yeah it's beautiful I, I was getting to know the theatre in France but the they're not very good actors, the French. You know, really? the, 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 it's more the beauty of the language. So oh. you, you hear them doing radio plays, and it's like they're all talking to themselves, and then the other one talks to himself, and then the other one's so it's completely artificial. So podcasts might be big there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In France, maybe, yeah, maybe it's, the, it's more talk. of an audio medium. Will, they love film, though. They do love their film. Yeah, yeah, but the, as I said, they're not very good actors. <laughs> <laughs> Can you name any French accent? Marion Cotillard? Catherine Deneuve. I, I worked with Alain her. Alain Delon. I, I did a commercial with Catherine Deneuve once. Yeah. And she, not so long ago actually, and she asked me out to a restaurant because she's got a reputation of sort of sleeping with the technicians and things. Fantastic. Catherine and Deneuve? I, yeah. Oh, this but is I said great. no. You and said I, no? Well, I thought to myself, if, if oh, I was... Oh, you're a married man too. Yeah, if she was young enough to, uh, for me to have accepted her, I would have been young enough to have refused her. Because <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, uh, it's difficult to say. I don't God know if that got her. through. And she... Because um, they had to... It was a film a commercial done for Yves Saint Laurent of some sort of beauty cream. It was uh, filmed by Jean-Baptiste Mondino. There was Darius Kudji on the cameraman, the one with the cameraman of Seven and lots of Woody Allen oh, films. Oh, wow, yeah, yeah. It was really big time. He had two, uh, two cameras, 35 millimeter, working all the time. All, she came about five hours late. She looked like shit oh, <laughs> you know no. she arrived but they've you know they overexposed everything so she looks great oh yeah the great filter on the yeah. that gauzy filter on the lens that, yeah uh, uh-huh. and i was a sort of uh just interviewing her i was a sort of black uh, silhouette in front of her and i was uh, getting because you're a bit flustered when you meet with somebody like that so i i got all my questions mixed up and of course the uh the fact that i was all flustered they kept all that <laughs> <laughs> you know, at the end, I sort of looked towards myself, put my head in my hands and say, oh, I should have said that, should I? And of course, that's the end of the commercial. <laughs> <laughs> but they knew you were, I mean, I mean, they probably tell from your accent, though, they, that you were English. Even though we speak in fl- French, you were yeah. English, right? Yeah, I was, uh, no, they liked English people. First okay. of all, because they, they wouldn't accept me as a physicist, because you've got to be, uh, you know, somebody serious. Because uh, an Englishman, is, you've got to be a sort of cross between Mr. Bean and Prince Charles. Right. And that's when I realized that when I was a clown, they could accept me. I use clown in the sort of Dostoevsky, you know, the idiot in the Dostoevsky sense. Oh, sure. He doesn't have to have a red nose. He can just be a sort of... But Mr. Bean is kind of like that. It's much yeah. clowning. It's, it's all... Yeah, he's sort of a, you know, a misfit. Yeah. You could call that a misfit. The weirdo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We watched as good as weirdos. We watched as good as it gets the other day. You know, Jack Nicholson yeah, yeah, yeah. and Helen Hunt. Uh-huh. I showed it to the kids because it's a good film. And I thought a weirdo like that who's been living all on his own for so many years, he's not going to transform. You know he's got to stink a little bit. You know, he's not going to just transform himself into some lovable creature sure. after a while. You know, he's killing dogs at the beginning of the film and at the end of the, f- well, just half an hour into the film, he's loving the dog. Yeah. People don't change like that, do they? No. It made me feel really good, you know, the, when he kisses Helen Hunt at the end. But uh, at the end I thought, you know, he would have stunk a piss. <laughs> In, in real, right, in the real right. world. 
I do envy people who live near big travel hubs in Europe yep. because it really is kind of the center of the world. You're about an 11-hour flight from just about anywhere in the world, whereas living in California, it's awful. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The time change alone is horrible. I mean, yeah, I've got a f- we have an advantage <laughs> of the Pacific Rim and Hawaii. That's about it. Yeah. Everywhere else is far. Yeah, if I want to do a business call to France, I've got to get up at 6 o'clock. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so did you did you utilize it when you lived there? Did you travel around Europe a lot? Did you? Uh, yeah, we traveled. Go to Africa and things? Yeah, Berlin, uh, Amsterdam. I lived in Holland for a couple of years. Oh, really? And you used to spend the weekend in Paris. You know, I yeah. drove to Berlin with my little beetle when, was, when the wall was still up. It was, uh, yeah, it was great. You fly off to Lisbon, surfing in Lisbon. That's where they go, or on the beach. Yeah, it's a small world over there. Here is, uh, it's like civilization. It's the western limit of civilization here. I know. You look out over the ocean and there's nothing. The end of the world. Yes, yeah, the end of the world. The end of the civilized world. <laughs> the left side of the world. Yeah, that's where you get so many people sleeping on the beach, I suppose. The, the homeless thing is a it's bit It's got to be shocking. It, and I can tell you that it's gotten worse. I've been in L.A. for... 20 years, but even around the America, but especially yeah. LA, it's, it's gotten worse in the last yeah. seven, eight years. It's they've been got really it in, bad. They've got it in Paris as well, because of course, when they had the immigrant crisis, yes. Europe just messed but it up completely. But that's what's fueling a lot of this right-wing yeah. wave that I've, yeah, I've been c- seeing this for 10 years in Europe, yeah. you know, and I would tell people before, you know, the last election, yeah. you know, my friends in London were saying, you know, when it came to like Trump and things, and they yep. were going, oh, it'll never happen. Yep. It'll but, never happen. I go, hey, listen, man. I, I, was in, I was in Amsterdam the morning after the Brexit vote. Yep. And uh, it just blew everybody away. I mean, not yep. only in my friends in London, but everybody in Europe. You yep. know, they were going, well, how does this start? Are we next or whatever, you know? Yeah, but they're stuck with the euro. That's the problem. Britain didn't have the euro. If they if yeah. had the euro, it would have been extremely difficult to get out. Well, now the mess is going to create in like Northern Ireland. Yeah, and places like that. Yeah, and but now Scotland's seen, talking about you know. Yeah, but the because the the Southern Irish. I'm not supposed to say Southern Irish because it's a funny place, Ireland. Yeah, Northern Republican, Ireland, an island. Yeah, Republic of Ireland. Because yeah. uh, I forgot his name. Leo Varad. He has a funny name, Varadkar or something. He um he just lost the election to Sinn Fein, and Sinn oh, Fein yeah. got the majority, which is the IRA. Yep. And they, you know, he was boasting about Brexit, saying that uh, Europe was going to beat Britain in this Brexit thing. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't realize that half, you know, half the experts, exports that go from uh, Ireland to Europe, they go through Britain. So if, if, he was, if he's going to mess about with us, we're going to mess about with him. Yeah, what a, what a mess. And he just got voted out because the Irish couldn't give a damn about Brexit. Or there wasn't a, a right. thing for them. So they just protested. And it's part of this, you know, people all over Europe, they're protesting against the, uh, the left, right, the Republican, Democrat uh, system. Because they've, they've, they've messed everything up. You know, all these immigrants who are arriving from all over the place and they're arriving in Greece, Italy, and you've got Brussels who just ignored the problem. Yeah. Uh, and now, of course, all the mayors of the big cities like Hidalgo in Paris, they said, immigrants welcome. And now they're all sleeping in the, uh, on the streets. Well, now we're seeing, uh, I tell people as much as, you know, the idea of any kind of, Democratic socialism, or yeah. it, it's basically, yeah, we're all going to pay a little more in taxes, yeah. but it lifts up everybody. Yeah. And I always say, you know, that's a lot easier uh, yeah. when everybody's the same yeah. background. Yeah. Everybody speaks the same language. Uh-huh. Everybody, you come from your same religion or no religion. You know, yeah. it's very easy when it's homogenous. Yeah. But all of a sudden, 
Now we're yeah. seeing the cracks in it. We're seeing it's just like, yeah. oh, we, we want to help these kind of people, but we don't want to help those kind of people. Yep. And now it's going to be interesting to see where this goes. Where do you see it all so heading? So you've got these thousands of people, you know, poor things. They've seen uh, all this. The streets are paved with gold in Europe. They look sure. at the... They look at films, look at the internet, and it looks great. It's full of blondes, and uh, they've yeah. all got nice cars. And when they get here, nobody wants them. There's no money, and it's shit weather, so they're they're living in under the motorways in right. crappy little tents. And that's the mayor of Paris who said, welcome, because she just wanted to feel good and look good. She said, welcome immigrants. Mm-hmm. And when they're here, nobody does anything about it except a few... Uh, well, it's a hard nice thing. People. It's a you know. I remember being in Finland and in, in Helsinki, and uh, there's like you said, there's people hanging. They they have to give them housing. Yep. But yet they're not allowing them to work. Yep. And <laughs> and they don't want to integrate them. So now you have like groups of young guys just hanging out. Yep. In the park all day, and you know, young and, men. I don't care where they are in the world, yep. here or anywhere else. Young men with time on their hands is yep. a bad. It's a bad thing. thing. It's a yep. dangerous thing. Yep. They'll get into some kind of, they'll fill their time with something, and it's not good. Yep. Yeah. And if it's not fighting amongst each other, it's fighting with uh, the the white people who said welcome. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's like being invited to a party when there's no more to drink, no well, more food. Yeah. And the difference we have, I think, is a little bit like, you know, in a country full of immigrants here, uh, like my grandfather yeah. or something. I mean, the way to be a successful yeah. immigrant, there is a path. Yeah. And the way to do it is... You leave the old country behind. Yep. You know, you have to say, we're not going mm-hmm. back. This is it. Mm-hmm. We're going to integrate here. Yep. We're going we're gonna to learn language. We're going we're to take yeah. our... It's going to be rough the first couple generations, but, you know, yeah. we're going we're gonna to become well, British or we're going to be American. Yes. Yeah, so and I, so that's the hard thing that the Mexican population has. Well, where some of them do come that way, others are coming for migrant work mm-hmm. and they fully plan to go back and retire back home and... So if yep. you have one foot in the old country, one foot in, you never really join. Yeah. And the problem with like the Middle Eastern immigrants in Europe, I think it's they're not coming to be Finnish or Swedish no. or German. They're just looking for the best deal and just trying to. Yep. And I think a lot of them still hope to go back one day yep. when the war ends or whatever. But I'm an immigrant. Yeah. Our family's an immigrant. You know, we're back to, uh, as I say, we got, got back in the queue. And then we get all our information from the Mexicans in the church next door. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, we got really a lot in common. Well, the language is a gigantic advantage you have. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, I can, yeah, I can speak. Well, we don't speak the same language, but <laughs> <laughs> we can understand each other. Sure. And you're not it's, coming in penniless yeah. or from a war-torn No, we got enough for two years. We've yeah. got enough for about two years. If we it is like expensive this. over here. Yeah. I've been looking at this American accent is a funny thing as well. Because I don't know if it's typically Californian, because you sort of, uh, you know, belly out a bit of butter. You know, you don't pronounce anything except the R's. You know, uh, it you, depends on where you're at. I even, mean, even the silent R's in the middle of the word, you sort of curl your tongue up hard. Yeah, we, we say the R's and the L's hard. I'm, I'm yeah. from the Midwest too, yeah. so we hit it hard. Whereas yeah. in Boston, they don't say them at all. Yeah. So I was trying to do that, but I just ended up, you know, sounding like Jimmy Stewart. You know, <laughs> have you gone on auditions? Did they want you to do it? No, I just feel an idiot trying to, you either feel like some sort of gangster or I try to do it with my kids, but my kids just laugh at me. Well, every, t- every British comic I work with is so funny. And, and I see them on shows. And uh, whenever they try to do an American accent, it's either one or two or the other. It's usually, it's either like, De Niro in every movie, you know. Yeah. Hey, fuck you, hey, fuck you, fuck you, you know, it's always always swearing and like yeah. every 
Goodfellas movie, you know, Joe yep. Pesci. But, or it's the uh, you say Joe Pesci's cowboy. Like, was- Yeehaw! <laughs> hey, partner, what are you gonna howdy? You know, yeah. it's it's one of those yeah. two. It's never uh, it's mm-hmm. never the subtle. Yeah. I have a pretty generic because I was a TV presenter and you know still do that. Yep. So I had to. I, was- I had a heavier Chicago accent until I had to. I saw myself on. Yeah. Tape early in my career, and I went, "Oh no, this." You is- just said dope, Joe Pesci as well. I've, I've been yeah, saying yeah. Joe Pesci for all my life. Oh no, no, yeah. <laughs> Joe Pesci. Joe yeah. Pesci. Yeah. Okay, so I changed that. That's <laughs> <laughs> a giveaway. Well, we do the same thing with Brits. It's so funny when an, an American comic or some or people try to do a British accent. It's either uh, you know the Queen, oh Lord Whiffenpoof, <laughs> you know that kind of thing, or it's uh, you know. Uh, some yeah. cockney. Yeah. Hey, Cole, hello, governor. Yes, that's you Cole, Cole Blimey, Mary Poppins. <laughs> right, hey, Mary Poppins. Or Dick Van Dyke. And, oh, yeah, they the say that was, that was the worst one. Awful. Apparently, yeah. Awful. Yeah, but it was, that was because Mary Poppins and uh, well, Dick Van Dyke. What was his name in the thing? It's a lovely holiday with you, Bert. Yeah, his Bert. Name Bert. Bert. <laughs> Bert. I don't yeah. know how he pronounced it. Hello, Mary Poppins. Yeah, that was my romantic model. So terrible. You know, I was waiting to meet my Mary Poppins. I was Bert. <laughs> Uh, but he, he danced well and everything. Good show. He's still alive, no? Is he still alive? <laughs> Dick Van Dyke, yes. He's, he's in yeah. his 90s. His brother's still wonderful. alive. His brother's still alive? No, he Is... passed. Oh, yeah, because we went through a stage of watching the Middle Family. Yeah. Yeah, that's why we didn't go and live in uh, wherever the middle family is. Dick Van Dyke's just, uh, he's a miracle. He's like 93 or something. He's still yeah. dancing and singing. <laughs> yeah, but of course, we've been to the Pacific Residence Theater a few times. Elson Bean, he was a bit in the same yes. mold. We just, just passed. Yeah, it was really sad. Yeah, past is a nice way of getting yeah, knocked yeah. over by two cars and hit by one and run over by the other. Past yes. is not... Um, Don't try to cross a busy street at 91, yeah. folks, if you're listening. We're going to the Pacific Residence Theater on Friday, so we'll... That was pretty sad, actually. Are you going to try to do... Are you doing theater here or trying to do some? Uh, no. Actually, we went to Pacific Residence City. You know, it's a little theater. Have you ever been to Pacific Residence City? I've never been in it. I've Venice. You know, been past it a million times. Because we're a bit dubious about going because, you know, there's often more people in the audience than in the cast. But it's yeah. so good. The actors are really, really good. And I'm used to the National Theatre in London and Shakespeare Company. Oh, yeah, this is... And it's really top-level acting. No, but you have a lot of a wonderful actors here, but uh, theater is... is not well supported in no he don't it's make much it bigger and even chicago it's it's huge it's, it's yeah. much bigger and and of course new york but you here know, you know stage actors they're, they're really it's a rough go here a lot of them head yeah. back east if they really want to do the stage it's it's yeah. just not well supported yeah, people do don't the, leave their homes <laughs> can i get it on netflix that's what they you know live <laughs> yeah, theater yeah, uh, yeah what is this sort of because there's so much many advertisements for Netflix movies or Netflix series uh, all over the place. You don't get that in Europe. It's changed so, uh, the industry. It's changed uh, everything. Really, they have all the money. You know. Yeah, and you're so proud of watching the television because you know watching TV in Europe is a little bit shameful. Oh, is it? Yeah, they they go to the cinema, but staying in and watching TV is uh, you're a bit of a loser. But here you're give really it some proud. Time. Give it, yeah, we'll give As it some time. As the TVs get bigger and they get bigger, and um, uh, and Netflix is pretty bad in uh, in Europe. Oh, in okay. France, at least, because you have there's a certain law about before a film can be on the do they still call it cable? Yeah, no, but I know or a streaming lot streaming or whatever. But I will I, from all my friends I know in Europe, piracy is a much bigger. Yep. Yeah, you just change your VPN they steal and uh, pretend you're in um, whatever. Wow. Yeah. So it's, I mean, have you tried to have you traveled much around to get back this in the Travel again. Oh, yeah, getting back to travel. Have you, have you gone around the U.S. much, or you just stayed on the coasts? Or we had all these plans of going big to... Big road trip. We came here in February, and we drove to Las Vegas. Okay. 
Do you see uh, the Grand Canyon at all? Do you get down there? Nope. It's we, grand. Yeah, it's we right came, in the name, you know. We stayed in the uh, we stayed in Hollywood the first one. What's the name of the big hotel there? Hollywood? Uh, no, the Roosevelt. Is the Roosevelt? Oh, the old one, Hollywood yeah. Boulevard. And yeah. that was beautiful. <laughs> so we've seen downtown. Is that downtown? No. Well, no. no that's a ho- that's Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. We and went, then there is a downtown. Then we went downtown once because my wife wanted to go to the Comme des Garçons shop in, uh, but it was just next to Skid Row. So we came out of there. Yeah. She spent hours in there, and she, she said, "You better take a car to get back." Really. <laughs> We went to Union Station. That was beautiful. We sort of walked into a little, is it little Tokyo? Yeah, yeah we've not been anywhere, actually, because we're trying to, do they call that networking, sort of? Yeah. <laughs> in Europe, they call that just enjoying yourself and going to parties and things. <laughs> but here they call it networking yeah, as if so it was to work. meet people and get your name around. And, yeah, you know. and we met so many interesting people and so many coincidences, actually. Really big coincidences. My wife came here with a telephone number that somebody in a market, in a local market, gave, gave her in France. And we found ourselves at a dinner in an actress's place. And then um, this French woman sat next to her. And she and my wife said, hey, you know, I got this one telephone number of this French woman who lives somewhere in the States. So she took it out and it was her telephone number. <laughs> what are the chances of that? That but is it's, hard. But we're told that in, uh, in Los Angeles, it's a sort of meeting point for, uh, for things. So there's so many coincidences. Yeah. We met another one and we said, uh, oh, that's a nice dress. He's got a bit of lace on it. Do you know Marie von Herzog? And she pulled out a telephone and she'd had a mail from Marie von Herzog, who lives in Paris, that same day. Just from recognising the dress? Yes, because so. her mother had just died and she oh, used to okay. work with Marie von Herzog and it was a letter of sympathy. <laughs> now, these are really big coincidences. There's another one, an actress that I met 30 years ago in a film festival in Tokyo. And uh, we saw her quite a few times. And then one day it just sort of clicked that we met each other 30 years ago in Tokyo. <laughs> now, this is getting a bit weird, isn't what it? What were you doing in Tokyo? I was, at a, I was, I was in a film by Sarah Moon, of, and it was in the, in the film festival there. So okay. I was representing the film. Yeah, I was an actor. Oh, well, <laughs> well did, did you, I mean, did you work much overseas? I mean, outside of France? Yeah. Or did you shoot movies all over? Yeah, the I was in uh, Midnight in Paris, the Woody Allen thing. Okay. I played T.S. Eliot in that. Wait, I was the in one, a, um, The Man in the Iron Mask, you know, Randall Wallace, when they just filmed that in Paris. Yeah. What was the Woody Allen one you were in? Uh, Midnight in Paris. Oh, yeah, you were... I had four days shooting. You see me about four seconds, a second a day. It was, about <laughs> was it true of his um, audition process? He doesn't give the... Uh, yes. He just gives you a few lines and yeah, that's it. It's quite funny, is it? I think the biggest thing there is to pass the audition... Because uh, I had a first audition, they said, um, what did they say first audition? They said, bring a poem or something. So I brought a poem. And then there was a, but I didn't really bring a poem. I did uh, the moving father's grave to build a sewer, the moving regardless of expense. You know, I just sort of did an old musical song. And then they called you back a second time, which you had to do another poem. You don't see him. It's just a casting director. And then they tell you no. And then uh, about a month later, they say yes. Which means they most probably chose somebody else, but he was too expensive because he pays peanuts. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then I'd, I'd worked with a few makeup artists who were... Uh, I was in the Borgias as well with uh, Neil Jordan. Oh, yeah. And then um, the makeup artist had worked with uh, Bonham Carter, whatever her name is. Helena Bonham Carter. Helena Bonham Carter, yeah. And she'd, um, she was saying that Woody Allen never talks to anybody. He never talks to anybody on the set, never talks to the that. actors, and never directs you. 
And this was true. I was in, I spent four nights in a car with Owen Wilson, and he was saying, "What do I do now?" Not with that accent, you know. Do I do we say this getting out of the car, or do we do we do the conversation in the car, or do we? Uh, what it help? <laughs> and after after a few hours of doing this, we have got this Woody Allen who comes to the car window. So I'm always seeing him in a sort of frame, as if he was always on the screen or something, or on the telly. <laughs> and he sort of comes there and says, "Well, I, I don't know, just uh, you know, just." just you know like you did on the casting <laughs> and that was it that's how he directs his actors well yeah, there's two schools of that some directors just say look I, I hired you to do your thing yeah go do it you know others want to you know micromanage yep everything you do but I suppose that explains why some of the films are good and some of the films are bad no yeah. <laughs> yeah. but he got an Oscar for that one Midnight in Paris that one I liked yeah it was pretty good yeah of the, of the last of the ones he's done over the last 20 years it's one of the few that I've yeah. He's very hit and miss now these days. Yeah. we. Uh, so I was T.S. Eliot, who was taking uh, Owen Wilson to the parties with Hemingway. and. That's exciting. That's people. great. Yeah, it was pretty good. It looks pretty good. On I should have been it's in the Clint... a big credit to come in here with yeah. uh, to Hollywood. Yeah, I should nice have been... Nice piece of video. I should have been in the Clint Eastwood one as well. You know the Clint Eastwood one uh, for the terrorist attack in the train coming from oh, yeah, Brussels yeah. to Paris? Yeah. But they, uh, I got chosen, but at the last minute, he decided to do it with the real people. You know, yeah, the, he, and I heard that was terrible. Yeah, it was terrible. Yeah, he yeah. should have done it with me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he dodged a bullet on that one. Literally, you dodged a bullet. Um, so, I, sh- I should have played the Englishman who was shot, fat, and bald. Yeah, that's you know? right. <laughs> it was always my dream to, um, I, you know, I did, I played a couple, I was in the movie Traffic, but I was a guy in a suit sitting on the plane, you yep. know, a DEA agent, but you know, I was a Secret Service yeah. guy on 24, but my dream was always either shoot somebody or get shot. You know, have the yep. squibs blow off and I'll fly off a bit. I've never had that yet. Yeah. That would be fun. Yeah. And then, so I did all that. But I'm, I'm also in a series which was filmed in American, and it's on Netflix, I think. It's a kid's thing, Seven and Me, it's called. And I played a sort of depressed teacher. It's a, it's a take on Snow White, but Snow White is a little girl in a class and the Wicked Witch is a little girl in a class and the Seven Dwarfs are animated. Okay. So then, and they got this weird teacher. <laughs> and in the second season, I paid the weird teacher's twin brother as well, who was this sort of rock and roll uh, aging TV presenter. Oh, that's fun. Very extravagant. So I played the Alpha and Omega of, this, <laughs> of the character of the family. Oh, what channel is that? That, you're your yeah, plugs I think, in I think it's on Netflix. Okay. Yeah, it is on Netflix. The first season when I was on See, Netflix. See, you dreaded Netflix. It's everywhere. Now you don't mind it so bad. I'm a, yes. It's good. It's good points. <laughs> oh, you know what? We, we, I promised our friend Jamie, who introduced yeah. us. Jamie We Page. talk about your, uh, your podcast, and we haven't plugged it yet. Oh, yeah. We've got to plug. Yeah, I'm so... You know, yeah, I'm English. See, we're, just so we're networking here. This, yeah. see, we're bringing it back. <laughs> yeah, it's almost strange trying to plug your podcast on somebody else's podcast. It's yes. a bit incestuous. Yeah, cross-promotion. That's, yeah, cross-promotion. That's, that's what this is. Oh, you scratch my back, and I'll scratch yours, yes. so to speak. So now, 40 minutes in, we're... we're... <laughs> yeah, this, so if they've got this far, then we maybe can plug it. Right, right. Maybe we can cut I'll plug bit. it at the beginning. <laughs> so uh, tell me about the podcast and what made you want to do it, and what is it about? What's it called, first of all? Yeah, it's called Low Life... Ta- I don't even know what it's called, actually. Low Life Tapes, yes, what Low it's Life called. Low Life Tapes. Yeah. Low Life Tapes, yeah. L-O-W-E. Yeah, it started off as a sort of a political um, campaign for a, for a Venice man who's trying to get Venice a bit more... Because uh, they're planning some really ridiculous things in Venice, actually, politically... Well, I mean, there's there's one major issue that nobody yeah. knows how to solve, and that's yeah. the homeless. Homeless, and so it, it's a major problem. Yeah, and it's still city of since Venice is in its own, it's still part of. It's just a neighborhood of L.A. So yeah. we're dealing with the 
city government. Yeah, I've, I've you, met, as opposed to Santa Santa Monica, which yeah. is its own town, it can make yeah. its own rules. Yeah, we often do the the bike, you know, the bike track, the Marvin Broder bike yeah. track, and you cross from Venice to Santa Monica. You know, you can even you know just by the smell in your nose when you go to Santa Monica. All of a sudden, it's clean, green. The grass is green, and it's <laughs> yes. beautiful. Yeah, it's a bit of a mess, actually. You can understand the homeless, you know, the sort of poetical homeless where they come to Venice and the down-and-out bums, the romantic ones. Yeah. But they're... I've, I've witnessed so many arguments, actually, between people who say that it's the duty of Venice people to welcome all these people and to look after them, and others who say, no, it's too much, you know, it's this shitting all over the place, yeah. half of them are drug addicts, and and there's a lot of violence. I've been attacked twice. You have? Well, attacked is a bit of a heavy word, but they've, you know, tried to knock me off the bike or... He didn't, like, touch you or anything, did they? Or they... No, but I could, I could see it happening. But now you've got to stay at arm's length or leg's length from, uh, from one of these because you never know what's going to happen. Yeah, Jamie was, you yeah. know, confronted yeah, Jamie. a couple times. Look at Jamie. Mean, she lives across the street from yeah. the shanty town. I mean, it's... Yeah, Jamie, every Friday they clean up the street, so they all move in front of her. She can't get out of a out of a house on uh, Fridays. There they want to build this big uh, hospice, a sort of place for them to stay. Yeah, bridge the, housing. And the... Yeah, but the mentally, um, the mentally uh, disturbed the other ones. Without, but there's no doctors in the place. There's no nurses or doctors. And it's on the edge of the canals, this one. Right. Is there's it another a place. Or what do you do? I mean, it's... Yeah, I've witnessed so many arguments between people, you know, one's for and one's against. But both of them are nimbies, not in my backyard. So that the podcast started to support this guy who's running for that uh well not especially he's you know he's invested in venice he does a lot okay. he's on the venice neighborhood council jim murez and he does a lot for the place you know he goes to meetings have you ever been in these sort of meetings no. so, so they can be quite funny but they're so boring you've got to know all the rules and all the <laughs> bylaws right. and all the regulations and be in touch with the city and the council and so on and so on and you go you got to have people politically minded people to look after that i couldn't do it no so um, we started off doing one about the farmer's market because he's been running the farmer's market for the last 35 years, which is a beautiful community place. You talk to, you talk to people. You have such a good time. The food's good. The, uh, With the farmer's market in-, in... That's in Venice. There's a farmer's market every Friday in Venice. On what street? It's in the... It's, it's, on what street? It's uh, Venice uh, Boulevard. I say Boulevard instead of Boulevard. I know. You yeah, Frenched you know, it up there. French well. It's coming uh-huh. through. It's just by the library in Venice. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. I mean, the library in Venice is quite funny because it smells like so much cannabis in there. It's, it's, it really hits you as you walk through <laughs> yeah. the door. You know, you don't even have to bite it. You just you can sniff it in that place. And it's full of these, uh, well, I don't know. They get to take kids in there. Yeah, it's a pretty good library, though. Lots of good books. I've never been in it. You've never been in it? No. <laughs> I always, whenever I go to Newtown, I always visit the library to sort of suss other place. Some people say that every town's got to have a brothel or something, and they go to the brothel to visit the town to gauge the town. I go to the municipal library. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I had to spend all these years trying to find a woman. Yes. That's how you stayed married. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Why? Um, so we did a podcast, then we did a second one on the uh, dog poop park because cause there's so many dogs in Venice, you know, and they take them to these parks to run around for. To have a crap, really, mm-hmm. and then uh, then we did a we did one where it's not come out yet about the the lone piper of Venice. We met this man called Andrew McGregor, who plays the bagpipes. 
He's, he lives in Santa Monica. He's completely American, but he's called Andrew McGregor. You know, he's about 10 Most feet Scottish tall. Most Scottish name ever with his playing bagpipes. Yeah, he's about 10 feet tall and he's a very interesting character. So we got him on a building next to the Hotel Erwin. And he came with a yodeler. Can you imagine a, a Scottish bagpiper with a, a German yodeler? <laughs> and they did a duet as the sun went down. I'm sure the neighbours loved it. <laughs> well, uh, the people in Erwin, it sort of drowned out there. Dum, dum, yeah, dum, it's, it's true. <laughs> so that was, that's the third one on its way. It's just that I made these podcasts, because I noticed that most podcasts, it's just people talking, no? And you just talk and talk until you've got nothing else to say, and then you cut <laughs> it off. like this. <laughs> yeah, but I... I, you know, coming from this sort of uh, comedy background and the Goon Show scripts, I try to I put music in it, I mix <laughs> yeah, it, I sort yeah. of mix it. It takes me ages, actually, and sort of trying to yeah, make you put it much in- more into it. I, yeah. I did. I did listen to the Dog Park one. Yeah, there's music. There's I, uh, uh, you know. I try to make it into some artistic. Yeah. There's a work of you have art, narration, and yeah, interviews and- but I'm trying to tell a story at the same time. You know, we've got there's a man, a dog walker, arrives at the dog park with uh, about 15 dogs, and they're all going, <laughs> and, this, uh, and that spoke to me. Da-dum, da-da-dum, da-dum. <laughs> so we got the ride of the Valkyries with all these dogs arriving, <laughs> and the dog walker who's not supposed to be there because he's against rules, but he was. Yeah, I can't say anything nice about him, I don't suppose. Yeah, he was a nice, he, he liked his dogs. But the real culprit, I thought, was the people there, uh, you know, got these dogs stuck up, stuck in their little flat and then they go to work and walk around with it with their little plastic bags to wipe up the crap of the dog, which isn't ecological at all, even no, though no. it's a biodegradable bag because they stick it in another bin which hasn't got a biodegradable right. bag. You know, so the whole <laughs> thing... the poop is- would biodegrade in a couple of months. Yeah. The, uh, the bag keeps it... Forever. Yeah, you know, it's, well, it's a little... Well, it's not, well, it's not e- ecology. As a scientist, I find that most ecology is uh, is not scientific and it's not a, eco- ecological at all. We need scientists to solve this problem. You know, the Earth... The Earth is going to be destroyed one of these days anyway, and I think it's even a bit egoistic to say that we can actually have an influence on the future of the world. But but at the same time, if you live in a place and you've got a garden, you should tend that garden and keep your house tidy. That's my ecology. And for the big things, we've (laughs) got to ask uh, scientists to help us get out of the problem. Right. I mean, if the world's going to end, I mean, we don't have to help it along. Yeah. We We don't have to push it. Yeah. We don't have to speed up the process. Yeah, we... We don't want to live in shit, do we? We don't. No. Want to, I've said shit so many times during this. Do you have a? Are you allowed to say that in? You can do anything you want. That means uh, I've got lacking in vocabulary. <laughs> I did say crap once. <laughs> crap is acceptable everywhere. Yeah. Okay. Um, where were we? Why? So we did a couple of podcasts. We'll plug in the podcast when we're we plugging the podcast. Yeah. The so where can people tapes. find it? Uh, the low tape. Low life tapes. Low life tapes. Yeah, it's a joke on my name. And it's which on. Is low. Um, it's on... Yeah, it's on the usual thing, Spotify, yeah, Apple, Apple and... Podcast, uh, your Stitcher yeah. Radio, your whole, whole... Yeah. In fact, what else can I say about it? It's, so it's a bit of a British... It's a sort of outside look. Sometimes you've got to turn the world upside down or get on the outside in order to look at what's there. <laughs> yeah, and, and people from the outside can often uh, tell you things that you can't say anymore. Yeah. So... Oh. I'm going to get travel questions out of you. Okay, get some more travel some questions. Because I'm a sort of, as I said, a slow motion traveler. It took yes. me 30 years to cross the uh, Atlantic <laughs> and then it took me another well, let's talk 20 about, years to get out of France to get to here. Let's talk about France then. Uh, give me a few places that um, you would recommend tourists visit. 
aside from the the typical ones, aside from just Paris or something, what what should people see that they maybe they don't know about? Yeah, that's that's like asking somebody who lives in Los Angeles what's a good hotel to stay in in Los Angeles. Yeah, yeah, because <laughs> yeah. you got a house. I don't know the hotels. Well, everybody yeah. will go to the same places. They'll go to Hollywood Boulevard. They'll yeah. see the Venice Boardwalk. They'll go to Beverly Hills. I mean, yeah. other than the the regular places. Yeah, the Paris is beautiful. If you want to go, we live just next to Paris. It's in a place called Montfort-le-Maury, this little village, and it's got Ravel used to live there. So there's a little Ravel museum, and if you go into, it's a be- there's a beautiful church, and the stained glass windows are mentioned in Proust, à la recherche du temps perdu. So there you can live in a, you can visit a beautiful place just outside Paris, and then. I'm, I'm just going to name the places where my parents-in-law had houses. Lyon. Lyon is like Paris 50 years ago. You know, they still eat well. It's not a tourist trap. It's really beautiful. It's, it looks a bit like um, Florence, really. Yeah, it's got I took a two train beautiful rivers. I, yeah. I got off and I went to um, Annecy. Oh, yeah, Annecy with the big lake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's beautiful. beautiful. That's beautiful as well. It's got an old town there yes. where you think you're in some sort of medieval place. Yeah, it's great. And you can get on a little motorboat and uh, which you can drive yourself and go around the lake. That's beautiful as well. Yeah. So Lyon, Lyon, as I said, you should eat there and uh, just, just walk around. It's still beautiful. In the old town in Lyon, you, it's medieval again. It's beautiful. It's because the French didn't give much resistance to the invading Germans. So... In the attacked. Second World War, it wasn't yeah. really attacked and they didn't destroy Paris. They decided to uh, let it be, mm-hmm. as they say. So, and then um, Saint-Tropez, you mustn't go to Saint-Tropez in the August because it's just full of vulgar people there uh, <laughs> right. with huge bottles of champagne. But if you go in the off, off period, you go in July or September, October, you know, it's so beautiful. And then Corsica, which is... I've never been. Corsica, that's an island which no, is no, cl- it's just, closer to Italy, really. Yeah, you know, near Sardinia. you got yeah. Sardinia and Corsica. Corsica is beautiful. They, uh, it's really a colony of France. I shouldn't call it a colony <laughs> because it's part of the Republic. It's not part of the dom-toms, as they call them. And the, the Corsican people are still very proud. They hate the French. They love the British because it's, uh, you know, it's, it's an island country and they both hate the French. So they've got a lot in common. <laughs> Napoleon was French. So just... We'll go to Corsica, I'd say. Just look around. You eat so well. And it's uh, so beautiful. It's not like here, because the sea here is pretty um, well, it's pretty cold most cold. of the time. Yes. And it's pretty violent, the ocean. I've called it the sea, but I've got to call it the ocean. Yeah, That's a big ocean. Mistake. It's a big ocean. It's pretty... Uh, <laughs> the biggest one, actually. You've got to respect it. <laughs> yeah. 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 First time in the water, I got tossed around like a rag doll and I twisted my knee and everything. Oh, yeah. it's, uh, Are you a surfer? Yeah, I saw a boogie board. Oh, okay. <laughs> so ridiculous. Me on a boogie board, but it's great. <laughs> I once to, the only European cruise I worked was on, uh, I met the ship in, in Bordeaux. Yeah. And we went around the Normandy coast. Yeah. Around there. We went to, and then we went to, uh, I think, Jersey. Did you go to Oma, Omaha Beach? Uh, uh, yeah, well, a lot of people did. We went yeah. near, it was Le Havre and... Um, yeah. Yeah, you, you go to a like Deauville, Deauville, where they they have the American Film Festival every September, mm-hmm. and en fleur this en fleur Trouville. You know the life is so easy, and the, as I said, the sea is pretty calm, even though it's the English Channel. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was the other place? There was another place I've got to keep talking because I'm thinking at the same time, and I learned from many years on television in France that you and radio as well. They have to keep talking while you're keeping thinking. That's the style, <laughs> no? Because if you give a radio dead silence, air. you don't want dead, dead air. air. We don't want dead air, otherwise people are going to okay. look I can up. Feel it. dead air. Yeah, you fill it a bit while I'm thinking. <laughs> Any other European uh, spots that you recommend that you were favorites for you? 
uh, did I go to because fa- I filmed because I used to travel a lot when I was filming. Sure. Yeah, in Budapest, Budapest was beautiful. When you go like into Budapest, those, yeah. yeah, when you go into these old communist countries, it's still pretty cheap. You can stay in a luxury hotel for pretty cheap. Yeah, and it's uh, my my son was studying in Cluj, Cluj Napoca, which is in uh, Romania. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's uh, again a beautiful, protected town, and they're still getting out of communism. I was just in Bucharest. Yeah, and okay. Transylvania up there, which is beautiful. Yeah, yeah, and that's still pretty cheap, and it looks like uh, we. It looks like you imagine Transylvania to be. You can imagine Dracula coming out of the yeah. place. You know, your car breaks down and it's a storm, and you knock on this castle door, and this man with a hunchback answers <laughs> and says, "Yes, you can stay." I do find the difference though in 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 Eastern Europe as opposed to Western Europe. When they say like old Europe and yeah, that a difference in the young people and in, in the fact that when you see these old communist countries that yep. go into like Croatia or the Czech Republic or places like that. That um, there is a there's an optim there's more of an optimism among their youth. Yep. They're looking forward to yeah. the future. They know it's gonna, you know, the past was so dark that the future looks brighter. Mm-hmm. Whereas opposed to young people in say like France or Italy and Spain, yep. they think they won't have it as good as their parents, and they're yeah. not positive. Yeah, but and there's a big difference in the vibe and the energy of a place. Yeah, but it's the thing about suffering. You do get some regret from the parents in the eastern countries that sure, they, because yeah. at the time they had free holidays. You know, if, if they're good at tennis, they got really good yeah. tennis training, and they didn't worry about you know. No, they didn't worry. But at the same time, there was a there was a limit. There was a ceiling there. You yeah. couldn't get out. You can get out of the crap. You had your two bedroom flat forever, and it's right. the same as everybody else's two bedroom flat. Do there you was see no that chance in, of. But amongst the youth, the negative. Uh, I don't know. Uh, in France, especially. I mean, yeah, France is pretty. Uh, the unemployment's well, high too. The unemployment's. Uh, Macron is uh, making a real mess of it. You know, the, the whole thing came out. You know, all these yellow jacket things. The, mm-hmm. the, the mess came out because they uh, every year you have a tax on diesel cars. You know, a few years ago, everybody told us to buy diesel because there's less CO2 coming out. But now they tell us it's bad to use diesel. So Europe said, uh, here's a subsidy to buy diesel cars. And then a few years later, they said, don't buy diesel cars because it's more polluting than petrol cars. And and at the same time, they imposed an ecological tax on uh, on uh, dirty cars, you know, diesel cars. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, Macron put on, f- you know, a few centimes on the price of diesel fuel for these diesel cars. But most of the people, most of the workers, uh, most of the farmers use diesel. And they come into Paris from the outside with their diesel cars. Yeah. So all of a sudden it looks like the rich, uh, you know, the out-of-touch city people who were just explo- who were just asking the, um, you know, the workers to pay for ecology. <laughs> and it doesn't work. Uh, we call it populism, don't we? But it's uh, it's actually a bunch of rich people exploiting the the poor people. You know, they got a bad conscience about dirtying the world, but actually, they're you know, Elon Musk is charging his electrical cars, his clean electrical cars in the city that the people outside haven't got the money to buy, and that and the wind turbines and the uh, you know the nuclear power stations are put in the places not in Paris. They're put in places where these poor people live. Mm-hmm. I'm saying poor people. I'm saying very very political all of a sudden. Aren't I? <laughs> Well, what's funny as well, because we have Welbeck, you know Welbeck, the writer, he's uh, no. pretty well known here, because he, he came out with a novel just before the Charlie thing, you know, when the the Islamic terrorists oh, yeah, killed yeah, the yeah, Charlie, yeah. Uh, the journalists. Uh, on that same week, he came out with a novel which predicted this, that um, he predicted that uh, 
in the 2022 elections, is it 2022 or 2024, there was going to be a runoff between the National Front Party and um, a moderate Islamic party and that everybody was going to vote for the moderate Islamic party and the moderate and the Islamic party, the moderate party was going to become extreme. And that came out the same week as the Charlie thing. And Welbeck, the writer, was on the, the cover of the Charlie oh, right. newspaper that week. And then he, he came out with a novel, which has just come out here, which predicted the yellow jacket thing. And why does a writer who, uh, you know, writer who's working on his own, who just talks to people and, you know, researches for his book, why does he know more than the government? That is my question. Well, why I mean, not? you studied philosophy. I mean, yeah. it's just, you know, you, you have to think of it. He's also, you can look at a, you can write in a way where you're not trying to get votes. Yeah. You know, that's a different, Yeah, if you're trying to sell yourself and get votes, you're going to say a lot of yeah. things that... Yeah, he's not, and this this man is. You can a, speak your mind, basically. He yeah. can speak his mind. But why do we spend all this money on uh, government advisors and uh, all these politicians to tell us what's happening? Well, these you know, writers are often wrong as well. Know, they want the, to sell books too. Yeah, all these. Uh, <laughs> you know, they're going to take a more extreme because it's more dramatic. Yeah, all these polls to tell us. Uh, Orwell people, said a lot of this stuff too. Orwell is pretty. It's a bit of an anniversary of Orwell at the yeah, moment. Yeah, yeah. He knew what was going to happen as well. You know, Big Brother is watching you. It's uh, well, history repeats itself over and over and over again, and you yeah, know, we nothing. choose not to study it. Yeah, and then you're doomed to repeat it. So that get back to your question of uh, this sort of optimism in the uh, the young people of the eastern countries. Yeah, they've got a, it's better than what they had before. Yeah, you know, so it's almost as if you got to bang your head against the wall and then stop and then you feel better. So you <laughs> right. So you feel really good. But if you don't bang your head against the wall, then you're, you're, I think that about bringing up my kids as well. Sometimes you can't give them everything. You've got to make them suffer a bit, but you don't want to see your kids suffer. I know. But it's not good for them to have everything they want. Yeah, but... I don't think. Yeah. I, I say as with no kids. Yeah, this is where we get back to internet again, because you know, they have to have a free, uh, you know, free everything. Yeah. This is if it's written in the declaration. Well, as an artist... You know, it's stuff, and it's someone who's worked in the creative field, and we were talking about Netflix before, and the piracy overseas, you know, yep. this is, Do they have you have piracy? a generation that uh, they want never paid for music, yep, they want and they don't think they should, you know, so it's just like, yep. there's they, still a cost to making it, and, and the hard work that goes into it, and then you just take it. Yeah, we know that. So it's, you know... You could make a fortune from selling records. We There's quite a few living here off their old... Uh, yeah. Back in the day, but those royalties are dried up, and yeah, it's uh, it's uh, so you have to tour to make any money now as a musician, and uh, yeah, we we go back to the troubadour spirit, yeah, but it's a bit tough, really. You know, you, you hard, it was never easy to be an artist. Now you get what a point zero 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 oh, one Spotify pays for Spotify, yeah. So you get a million views and you get a check for ten dollars, so yeah. The when business has changed everything, you know, and the internet has completely changed everything. So. So yeah, yeah, Eastern. Where should you go to? I went to Berlin, as I said before the wall came down. I went to a. You hadn't been back since. No. Oh, you wouldn't recognize it. I wouldn't recognize. I was it. there the last summer of the wall. Yeah. In '89, and yeah. then going back now, it's completely different. Yeah, it's I one know of the this, hottest cities in Europe now. Yeah, I know this. I once was in a lift with Vin Vendors. That was in Tokyo at the time. Oh, you spent a lot of time in Tokyo. <laughs> yeah, it's just talking about Berlin. Yeah, and then. Um, I know this uh, East German actually who's uh, you know he wants to succeed. He's got it. He's got it. Mm -hmm. He knows what it's like to be uh, to not succeed and to get a. Uh, 
Yeah, communism did a lot. You know, it was pretty hard. But uh, when you think of Russian films, maybe you've... Well, I think of Prokofiev, uh, Shostakovich. You know, communism was the cause of a lot of great art because people were <laughs> oppressed and they had to express, they had to sort of sublimate this uh, this expression, this artistic expression to get through. And if then, they're allowed to make it. Yeah, but Margaret Thatcher did a lot for the British. Uh, we wouldn't have had all these great British films if we didn't have Margaret Thatcher and a minor strike and a, a bit of oppression. So, yeah, we need a... You can also make art without oppression. Uh, yeah, think, think, <laughs> yeah, think of the great art we're going to get with Trump. Yeah. <laughs> well, they used to you know, see how many bands come out of this. But even the older guys, though, I mean, you don't see the protest as much. You know, I mean, Neil Young just came out with a new album and it said, you know, he has yeah. his songs about the ecology or... This and he yeah. goes, Why am I the one writing this at 70s? Yeah, well, where's the new people? Where's the young people writing about saving the earth or yeah. peace or anything? They're not doing it, yeah. But it's because it's just rich kids who can afford to be pop stars now. Well, that's, that's the problem. That is the danger of it. If or we don't actors. support the arts, yeah, um, because in yeah, England, how do you now, live? I mean, in England, they don't have a you know, we need a would be the Benedict Cumberbatch. Whereas, you know, he's not from Warrington, Liverpool, Manchester, that you get named Benedict Cumberbatch, is it? Right, but it's also yeah. the gatekeepers. I mean, who was running the BBC all these years? It was just, you know, it was more upper-class kids that, yeah. were, that were deciding these things. And so... Because the Beatles were pretty, you know, not quite working class, sort of respectable working class. Yeah, they were, and they were and from Liverpool. Yeah. Which was not a popular place. Yeah, and they talk like this. You can't, yes. you, you can't make your living in Hollywood <laughs> if you talk like this. And that's what inspired so many kids from everywhere, that, yeah. especially in England, that they could, oh, you didn't have to be from London and, and yeah. you know, connected to do this. You and can the, actually... Then we had the Manchester scene, you know, Joy Division and all that. Yeah. yeah Were you involved in that? Were you, did you go to the old uh, Hacienda? I, I, I was in 24 the, hour party people in the whole lot? I was in the Yorkshire Actors. And we, okay. we, used to, we used to follow rock groups. We used to do very expressionist theatre. We once went to the Edinburgh Festival and we shared a dressing room with Nico. Oh. Yeah, Velvet Underground Nico. Yes. And she, she was a. She was a. She was a, <laughs> had, I've a, read a lot about her. There's a movie out on her. You know. Yeah. Well, I suppose, do you think we're in it? The Yorkshire actress when she stole our orange juice. Maybe it's one of the key scenes of the movie. Was she uh, coherent uh, at all? Or no, she, she was there playing a harmonium. You know, she, she used to sing these sort of dirges. Yeah. Was she? And I, I was, I was a young kid. I didn't know who it was. Velvet Underground. Never heard of them. Oh. I'd heard of Joy Division. All that stuff was uh, old sure. hippie stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Was, New Order, the whole Depeche Mode was up there, I think. Yeah, New Order, but uh, you know, Happy Mondays tr- and the Yeah, we we're at this transition period with Joy Division, you know, when he uh, when he hung himself just before yeah. the just before making it big in America. And then you had New Order being born out of the this Smiths Joy Division and, and uh, Morrissey and all yeah. that lot. We used to button up our top uh, top button of the shirt. Otherwise. Morrissey you could find around town here. Oh uh, yeah. He lives here. Yeah. I see. They used to see him at the um, at the old English pub. That is another cat and fiddle, which used to be on uh, right. Sunset Boulevard. He used to go there every Saturday and watch right. uh, football. Yeah, has he made enough money for that? He's fine. He's, doing he's fine. It. He's okay. I hate, we hear a lot of English music played here. Actually, sort of seventies, eighties, nineties music. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. It's, everything's retro. You know, you take an Uber and you can hear. Uh, in France, I, every year I used to go to the communist. They do a communist party, the Fête de l'Humanité, and it's a really great party. You know, it's huge. It takes over a whole the part de Courneuve. Yeah. And the well, that could be a tourist thing to do, couldn't it? A traveling thing to do to go to the Fête de l'Humanité <laughs> in Paris. It's in September. I've seen uh, Iggy Pop was there not so long ago. Patti Smith was there. 
you know, massive attack was there. It's great. Wow. Really good. Huge crowd. It's the best uh, rock rock festival. And at the same time, you can go to the Cuban Communist Party and, and get some rum. You know? <laughs> yeah, a cigar. <laughs> and they buy the best for Yeah. My, my son, was uh, he lived in Vietnam for a year. And he lived in uh, Bulgaria. And he lived in Romania. And could I say that in, uh, you know, he wished, that in Vietnam, they wished that the Americans had won. Not the Chinese, the Vietnamese war. Well, they don't like the Chinese either. No, they don't like the Chinese, but they, <laughs> they'd like to be get rid. That's what happened in Bur- We went to Burmany, actually, Burma. Or what do they call it? Myanmar. Uh, Myanmar, do they call it? It's got three names. Yeah. Burma is, uh, Orwell wrote a book about Burma, because that was a British colony. And I went there last Christmas. And so I was a bit hesitant, actually, because when you go to an old colony... Yeah. Well, their situation's much more severe. Yeah, yeah but... Uh, at the same time, the uh, you know the peace lady who is less peace now because of the wangas in the north, and uh, she was um, she's married to a British man, uh, an Oxford uh, professor, and they um, at the beginning of the Second World War they they chased the British out because it was a good time to get rid of the British, and then the Japanese came in and they found that the Japanese were worse than the British, so they want the British <laughs> to come back, but now they want uh, just the. They're quite happy alone, I suppose. No, have you ever been yeah. to Burma? Burma? No, I've been. I've been try- it, it's not been uh, very open for many years. Then it then it opens up again to tourists, and then it closes again, and then it opens up. Again. There's there's quite often a there's a lot of military. Um, Is that count? Yeah, coups and. Um, yeah, but it's, it's a, a tight military rule. Yeah, there's a part that you're not supposed to go to. There's, I think there's a yeah. bit next I, I, to Cambodia. That you're but I've had friends to. that have gone and it looks lovely. It's on my list. You see all these temples and you, you get a little altar and it's got all these neon fluorescent signs all around. It's, you know, it's, it's Las Vegas. It's sort of a mixture of Las Vegas and uh, right. religion. <laughs> yeah, I found it a bit, uh, a bit corny, really, because they want to send me this, uh, you know, I've thrown off the, I've thrown off all the worries of this material world. But it's so garish and, as I say, Las yeah. Vegas. Not at all. They're just looking at the flashing lights and the bright colours. That's Buddhism. When were you there? Uh, last, not last Christmas, the Christmas before. Just on holiday or to see yourself? Yeah, it was, uh, we're, no, we were there with um, the whole of our parents', parents in-law families. It oh, was okay. a big, uh, sometimes the parents-in-law, they take us all for a big holiday. Apparently it's Brazil next year. Oh, Lovely. But I've done Brazil already. Ah, yeah, because we we did a couple of independent films and we went to lots of festivals. I always so like an to. So an hour into this, you're talking about yeah, traveling, traveling now that yeah, you've traveling. been around the world. So finally, we, we're in the Jeez. Chicago Film Festival. I got to so wrap we get, this up. We get, we were going to Chicago. And we went to uh, Rio de Janeiro. I forgot my driving license, so we spent the whole uh, two weeks in Rio de Janeiro going to all the parties. It's a really big <laughs> film festival. Yeah, we went to uh, well Japan. I told you about that before. Yeah, well, we travelled a lot, really. But I like to travel when there's a job involved. You know, when it's not on your when own. there's a reason. No, I like to not go with. A, a f- I like to go with a family as well, really. Okay, my own family. Because, as I said, you want to show your kids all this. Yeah, you, you're more of a traveller. Have you got a family? No, no, no. You've all on your own. <laughs> you Say it travel, that way. You go travel because when I find when you arrive in a foreign place, foreign. I am a foreigner. I've got yeah. to get it in my head that I'm a foreigner. When you get there, you know, the first day you think, well, what am I doing here? You don't say that or you, no. oh, straight away you're, you're well, enjoying Well, I'm there because I wanted to be there. Or I'm working, but I mean, you know, if yeah, I'm traveling I, on my own, I went there with a purpose because I was 
curious about it, wanted to see it. Yeah, because you've been to France. Because when I was in France, I was, you know, I was, I was like a Frenchman. I was a British man in France. I was known as a British man in France. Whenever they wanted yes. a British man to talk about the wedding or whatever on the telly, I, you know, I commented all. You these, were the go-to um, yeah, Englishman. So funerals and weddings, I did them all for the, <laughs> for the French television, and uh, yeah. So I wanted to be integrated into French, uh, into French life, and know French culture from the inside. Et je parle très bien français. Je peux, je, yes. Je peux jouer. I can swear oui. in French like a real Frenchman. <laughs> Putain, bordel de merde. You know. So is the point, I mean, do you think you're here to stay or do you want to go back? Well, normally, if, normally I've got to be here until I've been fully integrated into American society, which is, might take a bit of time, yeah. actually. Yes, you dive in. You, you go all in when you go somewhere. Yeah, I go all in, yeah. That's <laughs> traveling as well, no? You can travel. Uh, sure. I was always told you can write a poem about the flowers in your garden or the stars in the sky. So, I, yeah, so I think I'm here for the long haul, unless we run out of money first. <laughs> yeah, right. It's not cheap. It's not cheap. It's not cheap at all. As I said, we could sell yeah. our house in France, our beautiful house, and buy a shed in Venice. As long as your health is good, you know. Until yeah. your health is bad, that's when it. That was. That's the, when you may miss France. That was when the, you need healthcare. That was the problem yesterday when we got a year of travel insurance, but after that we've got to start uh, looking here. Yeah. That's where I ask the Mexicans. They tell me <laughs> that if you got a problem, you go to Mexico. That's what they do. Yeah. yeah, you go to the dentist in Mexico. They got names of really good dentists sure. in Mexico. And they're, they're more, medical tourism is a yeah. big, big thing. Yeah. Um, okay, well, I got to wrap this up. Yeah, we've got to wrap this and, up. And um, so, your experiences of of living in a few different countries, yeah, and uh, being around the world as much as you have, what has it taught you about yourself and people and how you see the world? I like being an outsider because I, I find that you can say you can look at things objectively if you're an outsider. And, uh, you know, because here it's every, everything, especially with the election year, everything's polarized. And, um, and you judge people by the politics instead of judging them as human beings. And for, as an outsider, I can uh, just judge people as human beings. Give us a little bit of uh, hope. A bit of hope? Yeah. Okay, I'll give you a bit of hope. There was, um, I know two sisters, they live in, uh, in the, you know, in the mobile home place in uh, Pacific Palisades. Yeah. And one's and they both come from Alabama, but one's a shaman, and she's lost her accent, her Alabama accent. And her sister is an Alabama judge with a thick Alabama accent, mm -hmm. and one's Republican, one's Democrat, you know, completely on the opposite sides of everything, social behavior, political. But they both love each other because they're sisters. And, yeah, they're both Americans, so, <laughs> yeah, stop it. <laughs> Stop it! Yeah, yeah. Either we're on the same team, or it'll uh, it'll yeah. break apart. So let's just just uh, be American. All right. Yeah. Well, welcome aboard. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> right. Well, I, I appreciate you doing this. It was yeah. nice to meet you. Thanks a lot. That's so it goes. That's so it goes. That's so it goes. Oh, it's going. No one knows.